Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Thursday, February 15, 2024. South Sudan's veterans demand for their monthly and medical allowances. After five months without salary, the government only released the salary for one month. And one month salary is not enough. And conflict is looming between farmers and pastoralists in central Equatoria state. We have been so much engaging these cattle keepers peacefully, and it has proven beyond doubt that there are some of them who are so adamant, and therefore I will prefer that we enforce forceful disarmament on these cattle keepers. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Civil servants in South Sudan are yet to receive four months' salaries. A group of soldiers who were wounded during the country's struggle for independence disrupted work at the Ministry of Finance on Wednesday to protest unpaid allowances. Academic staff at a university in Lake State have gone on strike over their unpaid salaries. South Sudan's Minister for Finance says the government has released the salaries for the month of September 2023. For VOA News, Manyang Debin Mayar reports from Juba. South Sudan Ministry of Finance witnessed a protest Wednesday by some wounded soldiers and veterans who demanded their monthly allowances. South Sudan police officers responded by firing live bullets at the veterans. One of the wounded soldiers who refused to be named for fear of reprisal says soldiers and civil servants depend on their salaries and allowances to survive. After five months without salary, the government only released the salary for one month. And one month salary is not enough to pay all loans we have incurred for all the past months and commodities are expensive in the market. We are living a miserable life, a life of begging, and others are even forced to steal. Those who have some power go to the bush to cut down trees and ban them for shackles. South Sudan Finance Minister Bag Barnabachol says his office is struggling to pay salaries on time due to certain reforms occurring at the ministry. Chol told reporters yesterday that the veterans are, quote, self-proclaimed wounded heroes, a statement that angered many South Sudanese who fought in the struggle for independence of their country. The Minister of Finance and Planning is so much committed to fulfilling its reform agenda, uh, providing uh, essential goods, uh, continue to paying salaries, uh, the reform on Elimination of ghost names is ongoing, but that will not interrupt uh, the payment of salaries on time. Uh, we have difficulties in collection of uh, non-oil revenues that actually support our budget for paying salaries. We have issues in uh, the Red Sea that delays the remittance from oil revenues. Chol says three soldiers wounded in previous wars, including the War of Liberation for South Sudan, suffered critical gunshot wounds Wednesday. He says the Ministry of Finance will fully cater for their treatment. 
academic staff at Rumbeg University of Science and Technology are also on strike, demanding payment of months of salary arrears. Makot Manyuan, chairman for the academic staff at Rumbeg University, says they have run out of patience. The academic staff are on strike senior today uh, because of the delay of uh, salaries, that is four month salaries, plus ticket allowance from 19 up to date. It has never been paid. Uh, and this issue of delay, it is not a new thing in a way. It has been there since uh, the inter- independence of South Sudan. Now, uh, our patient is wearing things. Manuan says the academic staff at the university will continue to stay away from lecture halls and other academic duties at the campus until the government pays salary arrears. Piang Panik, Secretary for Information of the non-academic staff at Rumbeg University, says the delay has impacted families of civil servants across the country. We have several needs. Our children need to go to the schools. And we also we need uh, proper medication. And these things, you cannot do them without money. It is a money that is the engine of everything. And if we, you are not paid, how can you do a uh, site? So our children are currently at, at, our, at our residence. A senior diplomat at South Sudan's Foreign Service, who is authorized to comment on salary matters, told this program the country's diplomats' admissions abroad are still waiting for their three-year salary arrears. South Sudanese diplomats in Washington, D.C. received their July 2023 salaries in December last year. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. Authorities in Central Equatorial State say the presence of armed pastoralists across villages of Yei and Kajokeji counties could scare families returning from refugee camps in Uganda. The commissioner of Kejikeji County says he has detained leaders of the pastoralist community who brought herds of cattle to Kajukeji. For VOA News, Dennis Longoni reports from Juba. Kajukeji County Commissioner Panuel Dumo says he ordered cattle keepers be detained to prevent cattle from roaming across villages in the county. Those who were arrested are members of that group, and then they said the chief in charge of the crown in their team is still on the way. And that one still, when he comes, we are going to arrest him and tell him, you turn, go back. You are not allowed to graze your animals at our side. Go and continue your mission back home. This was set as a condition, sending a signal message to those who are planning or are on the way coming that similar things will happen. To hunt the leaders down will force them to go back. Previous conflicts between farmers and pastoralists in Kajukeji have displaced hundreds of families, according to Dumo. He says he instructed security personnel to patrol villages and detain cattle keepers, saying the presence of the armed cattle keepers could discourage returnees from Uganda from settling back in their ancestral homes. We have been telling the people even in onset of the Christmas time up to the eve of the new year, I told them that this time around I never, never want to hear again that because the animals you are not going to come, we are here to stay. We are also here to face them all. These days, their vehicles bringing my people back. The people are responding because we have opened the schools and on the 18th of January, the teachers came and received their July salary. I think this time around in August they are going to be deployed in the schools. 
Lanya County Commissioner Emmanuel Kemis warned herders who have refused to obey past presidential and gubernatorial orders for cattle keepers to move their cattle back to their areas of origin. He says some cattle herders from Bor and Terekeka counties are hiding in Limu, Wanduruba and Ganji villages during the recent disarmament exercise. We have been so much engaging these cattle keepers peacefully and it has proven beyond doubt that there are some of them who are so adamant and therefore I will prefer that we enforce forceful disarmament on these cattle keepers to ensure that they are disciplined because we cannot be handling the same problem year in and year out and our people are suffering and I want to advise the people of Lanya County to always be on high alert as soon as they see any movement of cattle keepers or even armed cattle keepers let me get the information so that we can be able to dispatch our security forces. Abraham Makur, the coordinator of pastoralists from Bor County, says the only way forward is for peaceful coexistence between farmers and pastoralist communities. He says the presidential and gubernatorial orders directing cattle keepers to return to their places of origin could not be implemented due to cases of East Coast fever, floods and the ongoing conflict in Jongle State. Due to the political issues, the political influence to the community, this is why you find that each and every community rise, that issue of cattle keepers, wherever they go, every county that you found, the cattle headers are there. They should fall under that county. And the commissioner of that county with executive director and payam administrator should sit down with the chiefs and then see where are the empty places where there is no farming. And this ghetto should be directed. You stay in this side and this side is a farming area. Victor Fashama, civil affairs office at United Nations Mission in South Sudan, says several meetings between farmers and pastoralists ended with a resolution for coexistence in Ganji and Lobonok. The returning population are basically farmers, and the cattle keepers are not able, or in most cases in the past, were not able to prevent their cattle from engaging or going to the farming communities and destroying the farms or eating the crops of the farm. Those have been the biggest issue. So what we've seen is that the local community is not necessarily against the cattle keepers. They just have problem with the action of the cattle in destroying their crops. The United Nations High Commission for Refugees says close to 3,000 South Sudanese have returned from camps in Uganda since September 2023 through the Kajukeji border point. For VOA News, I'm Dennis Logoni in Juba. Some female journalists in South Sudan say harassment, arbitrary arrests of journalists have discouraged many women from joining the profession in South Sudan. A journalist with the UN-run Miraya FM says some South Sudanese cultures prevent women from pursuing career in journalism. Viola Elias has more for VOA from Juba. South Sudanese broadcast journalist Irene Lasso says more women these days are showing interest in journalism, but many are still hesitant to jump into the profession due to certain cultural beliefs that journalism is a male-only profession. There's some cultural aspects that don't permit the girls to go out there. Sometimes when, when, when they look at you having a conversation with a man and having head-on questions, I would like to encourage uh, more media houses to, uh, to, to, to employ more female journalists because they too need to uh, exercise what they want to do more. I mean, what they want to do, because they're people who are passionate journalists, and you can't can't, uh, kill their future because of their status, let's say their gender. 
Bridget Achiro, a student at the Media Development Institution in South Sudan, says she has been passionate about journalism. Achiro says before enrolling in journalism courses, she was told by community the profession is for men only. She says the negative attitude towards women remains a problem in the industry. Most people think that we are emotional, so we can't deal with maybe the bad things happening in our society. We are too emotional, yeah, that's natural in us, but not all of us are taken up by emotions. It's the negative perception that men have. So men think that we can't do that job, so they are better than us, that they can't handle everything. For instance, if a woman is sent to the field in the night hours, they think that we are vulnerable, we can't handle situations maybe when we are on our own. She encourages women interested in journalism to ignore the negative assumptions and pursue a career in the media industry. Jennifer Keji, another journalist in South Sudan capital, Juba, says journalists in South Sudan face a multitude of obstacles, including sexual harassment, insecurity, and a mega salary. When you approach someone for an interview on a certain matter, you get responses that does not support our work. And if you are not brave enough, this could lead to you leaving the profession because every time you want to do your work, you are frustrated. KG urges media houses to provide female journalists with appropriate work time schedules, adding that female often go to work early and return home late at night, which is not safe for women. Journalist Odia Jamal says every profession has its own risk. Nonetheless, female journalists should be courageous. If there is an ethics and a regulation, you should not be fearing. So my message for you there, if you are interested in journalism, don't fear. Like you like something and you are afraid of doing it, that one is like you are killing the nation. An officer with the Juba-based Association for Media Development in South Sudan, or AMDIS, says some 200 female accredited journalists in South Sudan work under difficult conditions. Irene Ayer says AMDIS has been working to ensure the safety of journalists by encouraging media houses to establish sexual harassment policy guidelines. We have been really focusing so much into ensuring just the female journalists who are already practicing feel safe in the field because that is the only way we can attract those one who want to join. Yeah, if, if the ones that are already practicing are not okay in the field, then obviously they will discourage those one who want to join. So what we have been doing is that we have been uh, talking to media houses, engaging them uh, to have a sexual harassment uh, document, like uh, a policy. Despite the obstacles in their ways, Aya urges female journalists to remain in the profession by using the country's laws to report any sexual harassment to the police. For VOA News... I am Viola Elias in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, an American high school student is changing lives in South Sudan. Find out how after the break. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. 
All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. A 17-year-old American high school student is making a difference in South Sudan. Bridget Toller, who is the president of the non-profit Help Kids to Live, says she wants to support South Sudanese girls and women to achieve their goals in life. She says her focus is on women because of rampant early child marriages across South Sudan. I am also part of Spread Your Wings, which helps young women get their education and advocacy in South Sudan. And we gifted three girls awards, two of them four-year scholarships and one of them a cash prize. You look young. How old are you and what inspired you to start working for humanity at this younger age? Um, I'm 17 years old and I was inspired by my father and my brother who were already working on projects in South Sudan for quite some time. Why South Sudan of all the other countries in the world? I mean, there are lots of countries in Africa that are going through a lot of turmoil and children in these countries don't have the opportunity to go to school or to even live a dignified life. Why South Sudan? Well, um, my brother and my father were already um, working there, so I was already quite familiar with the country. Along with that, we have a lot of uh, close family friends that work in the country, like Minister Lesuba, who's the Minister of Federal Affairs. So it just seems right to start off in South Sudan helping there first. And you were saying you were inspired by your brother and your father. Talk to me about what you do in South Sudan. I help children at orphanages in South Sudan by donating money and building supplies. But I also help young women there by letting them get their education at the University of Juba. Talk to me about your first impression when you landed in Juba, Wau, Malakal. How did you feel? Um, my first impression was, oh, wow, this place is crazy different from the United States. I was so, like, intrigued by how everything was different there and how it looked and how busy it was and it was just crazy at a younger age you've started doing good things for humanity how would you um, describe your journey and what is the end game um, I would explain my journey as being um, interesting and very inspirational uh, <laughs> and the end goal is to continue helping these orphanages and... How many children or girls or women have benefited from your good work? Um, well, at each orphanage I've donated to, like Straight Link Orphanage or Divine Mercy Action, there's a total of 85 boys and girls at each one orphanage. Um, they all range between the ages of like 3 and 19. Who is helping you? to do this work. I mean, you know, they say behind every good work, there are people who are silently or who don't want to be seen. Who are the people helping you to do this job? Well, my father helps me. Family friends help me through donations. Family members help me through donations. And Father Paulino, who is 
um, one of the founders, or Mother Yasmin, who is another founder of Divine Mercy Action, also helped me in my journey. If you were given all the money in this world, what would you do in South Sudan? Um, I would donate it to young women so that they could get their education. I donate it to the government. I donate it to the orphanages and new orphanages. And yeah. Your focus is on young women. Do you, are you also thinking about empowering men? Um, I mostly focus on empowering women because at a young age, many women get married off, so they won't have the chance to get their education as much as men get the chance to. Let's talk about your personal uh, aspirations. What do you want to do after you finish your high school? Um, after I graduate from high school, I want to um, go into college. And after I graduate from college, I plan on joining the U.S. Navy and um, becoming a fighter pilot. And after um, a few years of flying, I plan to go out of the Navy and start my career of becoming a doctor. So you have a lot of hats to wear from now onward. You want to be in the Navy, you want to be a doctor, and at the same time you are helping children, women in South Sudan. A lot of South Sudanese who could be listening to me and you would ask, when are you going to go to all the places in South Sudan? Because you told me you've been to Malakal, Wao, Jubat. Why those places? In Wow, Western Bada Gazelle, a close family friend um, introduced us to Governor Sarah Cleto, so that's why we chose the city of Wow. And we chose to help out in Juba because of Minister Lesuba. Yeah. As an American, you grew up with everything available. I mean, technology, you know, everything is on your fingertips. But going to South Sudan was a different ball game. And if you're given an opportunity to continue with this work that you're doing, what would you do differently apart from helping women, children? What would you do differently? What I would do differently is I'd probably work closer with government officials to create more of an impact. But this is a country where you have read a lot about there are allegations of, you know, corruption and mismanagement. How are you going to ensure that your money goes to the right cause when you work with the government? Uh, that's a really good question. I'd probably um, deliver it personally, maybe, to the organizations that I would want to help. That's uh, Bridget Toller, president of the U.S. nonprofit help kids live. She spoke with me today in our studios here in Washington. In an effort to connect to younger voters, President Joe Biden's campaign has joined TikTok. But while many users have welcomed the move, security experts and even legislators have expressed a disapproval amid long-standing privacy concerns surrounding the use of the Chinese-owned app. VOA's Veronica Beldras Iglesias has details from Washington. Joe Biden's presidential campaign account on TikTok garnered more than 90,000 followers in the first two days since joining on Super Bowl Sunday. The Chinese-owned social media app is a regular source of news for about a third of U.S. adults under 30, according to Pew Research. And the Biden campaign's move to get their political messaging across to that demographic doesn't come as a surprise to some analysts. Professor Tim Growling is a political communication expert at the University of California, Los Angeles. If you look at polling, uh, there's been dramatic decreases in youth support uh, compared for Biden compared to Trump. So this is, I think, one of their stronger tools. 
to reach that group. China-related security and surveillance concerns led the Biden administration to ban the use of the TikTok app on government-owned devices last year. The former head of U.S. Cyber Command outlined some of those concerns during a congressional hearing last March. TikTok concerns me in, for a number of different reasons. One is the, the data that they have. Secondly is the algorithm and the control. Who has the algorithm? Third is the, the broad platform. It's not only the fact that you can influence something, but you can also you know, turn off the message as well. Some lawmakers have questioned the Biden campaign's decision to join TikTok, including the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Democratic Senator Mark Warner. I think that we still need to find a way to follow in Leah, which is prohibited TikTok. So I'm a little worried about a bitch message. Republican Senator Josh Hawley took to X, formerly known as Twitter, to criticize Biden for joining what he called a Chinese spy app, despite banning it on federal devices. White House National Security Communications Advisor John Kirby had this to say during Monday's White House briefing. There are still national security concerns about the use of TikTok on government devices, and there's been no change to our policy. The Biden campaign states their presence on TikTok is independent from a review by the Interagency Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States that is weighing a nationwide ban of the app. For its part, the Chinese foreign ministry says there is no proof of foul play and condemns the moves to restrict the app. Your TikTok's CEO, Shou Sichu, denies he or his company have any links to the Chinese Communist Party and has repeatedly told Congress that his company is improving the platform's security mechanisms. Making sure that we're protecting and firewalling U.S. user data from unwanted foreign access. The average TikTok user is not that worried, says UCLA professor Tim Growling. I've had a student say this almost verbatim. There are over a billion users of TikTok. Why would they care about my data? Um, what what do I have that's at risk? And, you know, in the aggregate, the, the answer is there's there's quite a bit of risk. The Biden campaign affirms it is taking advanced safety precautions around the devices they use to post content on TikTok and plan to continue expanding their online influencer network. Veronica Valeras Iglesias, VOA News, Washington. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Thursday, February 15, 2024. We now leave you with Belia Bell with the classic song Nayoki Sango, which means in Lingala, I heard the news. Na 
Listening to Congolese music star Belia Bell with the song Nayoki Sango, which means I had the message or I had the news. I'm your host, John Tans, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer Kwame Ofori and engineer Bill Bass, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Oh, oh, oh.